Welcome to the Book Squad Podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Gramlich and Polly Kim. special guest we do should we say that first yes we okay should. hi would you like to say hi hi <laughs> this is just some guy we found <laughs> this is some guy we found actually this is dan coleman dan what's your actual title i am a collection development librarian okay awesome and you work with and i work in the collection development department so i order children's materials so all the children's materials, books, uh, DVDs. You do the DVDs too? I do the DVDs that are in the children's section. The family DVDs um, are that are in the AV area. Mm-hmm. Those are selected by somebody else. Kevin Corcoran, okay. The, okay. our movie guy. So. so do you do the CDs that are in the kids' area too? I do, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot. <laughs> it's fun. Do you have any idea how many children's materials we have? I know I said I wouldn't do numbers, but... Uh, That's an easy one. We have about 65,000 children's items. That's amazing. Yeah. And you have hand-ordered every single one. (laughs) Not not quite. There's still... Almost every single one. I think there are some that predate me. Okay. So... Yes. Well, how long have you been? I've been here for 12 years now, so... I think probably over half of the things in children's have been ordered by me, maybe close to three-fourths, I yeah, think. Yeah, at this point. By this point. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. It well, is. Well, that's cool. So let's let's say why you're here. Yeah. We just jumped right in. Um, so, you know, today we're going to do a little bit of a special episode. We wanted Dan to come in and talk a little bit about this great um, blog post that he's written recently and maybe talk a little bit about We Need Diverse Books, which is... Um, we We've talked about before on here, but um, because it's primarily for kids and um, YA books, you might have some different insights that we don't have. And um, I think we're going to start off with our usual two book minimum, except for we only have one book each. But, that, but that's, that's three. three. That's three. Because we can math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's at least two books, y'all. Um, we'll do two book minimum and then we will... Um, grill Dan, even though we told him we weren't going to do that. And then uh, and then we'll just wrap up with chat. some chat. Mm-hmm. Can't always be reading and whatever else we decide to talk about. It was a good preview. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who who wants to go? We'll make you go first. Oh, God. Okay, what, what, I'm, what I'm reading? Yeah, what have mm-hmm. you been reading lately? I am reading, a, I just finished a great book. It's called The Language of Crows, and it's by Michael Westerfeld. So it's a it's a. I had to interlibrary loan it. We don't have it in our collection oh, because wow. it's out of print. But um, it's by a guy who runs this Crow website where people uh, submit their experiences with crows. So it's just like full of the most amazing um, information. Like, uh, for instance, uh, just an example, like crows, maybe you know this, have are known to have funerals for, like, if a crow... I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, if a crow, like, gets killed by, like, a car or a cat, these people have experienced... They're, like, they're, there's many anecdotes of, like, the dead crow will be in their backyard, and all of a sudden there will be, like, oh 50 crows gosh. kind of just holding court. In the back. Do they qu- give little speeches? They're, sometimes, or <laughs> they just like stand there quietly in the tree. 
That's it's, so sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. my, that's beautiful. Uh, here's a here's a happy one. Okay. Also, like if you uh, the book has a lot of examples of people who have adopted crows that were like injured or mm-hmm. babies that were learning to fly, and um, they usually what will happen is they will raise the crow until it can fly, and every day their family will come and just hang out. Yeah. And visit them, and uh. like the crows will show up on the back porch. Like bring the baby out. Oh my then, gosh! Yeah, crows are amazing. Oh, that's so wonderful. And it has a CD with language, so oh. I'm gonna be. I haven't listened to that yet, but I think I'm gonna be like sort of practicing around the house, probably. Like crow, crow <laughs> sounds. Yeah, like cause. different vocabulary. Yeah. I guess. Oh my god, you're gonna be the crow whisperer. It's gonna be kind of strange. That's probably. really cool. Uh, well, what's funny is I was just hanging out with some other some library folks, and we were at Johnny's. Pizza place and uh, talking about a Patronus or some sort of animal that could represent us. And I think it was Kristen in events said that I was like, I could be like a crow. And I was like, I don't think I take that. Yeah. Crows <laughs> but now I take that as yeah. a very big compliment. Crows are awesome. Okay. This is what that actually made me think about this novel that I, I started reading on the plane when it was an arc and now it is actually. Um, we own it here at the library. It's called Hollow Kingdom by Kara Jane Buxton. I might have actually mentioned it on here before. Um, so she lives in Portland. Um, and Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have – wait, or was it Seattle? She's in Seattle, I think. And Sweet. there's like these really famous crows in Seattle. I maybe you mentioned mm. them in the book. I don't mm. know. So, But they, they all have – they have neighborhoods and they go back to their neighborhoods and everybody's like – I mean, is it the Counting Crows? It's not the Counting Crows, but they're they're super famous. And I, you know what? I'll look them up and we'll put them in a link. But so the this is a novel. It's actually sci-fi, and the premise of the novel is that this one pet crow fights to save humanity from an apocalypse. Um, it's it's zombies and mm-hmm. crows. Um, so he's domesticated. His name is St. It stands for something I can't say on the podcast, um, <laughs> but he's he's a bird of simple pleasures, um, and he and his owner Big Jim um, turns into a zombie, and so he's like, "What is happening?" So, um, and it, the story is all told through um, St's um, viewpoint, awesome. and it's really it's just so creative and inventive, and she. Was there and gave this big talk about how incredible crows are mm-hmm. and um, so cool. yeah, so they're like flying dogs. Oh, basically. they are, but sassier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can um, talk. Yeah, uh-huh. um, well, they can make tools. There's mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. in um, Ruth Ozeki. Okay, there you go. <laughs> they shelved right next to each other, and so I can imagine uh, a tale for the time being by Ruth Ozeki, who's like which is like one of my favorite books. A crow, like crows, are a major like plot moving oh, wow. device because they are so wise, and it's like something they're telling me something. So mm-hmm. it is, yeah, that's really. I've heard that's a great book. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, we can swap crow that. books. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you want to go next? No, I would like you. No, to. you would like me to go next. Okay. So I am actually. I'm just guys. If I didn't have to be here, I'd be finishing this book right now. So, um, the right swipe by Alicia Rye. Um, this is her latest. And it's a, a new book in the Modern Love series. So she's going to be making a series out of these um, characters. So um, it's, it's super good. It's about um, a woman who creates a dating app, um, the right 
you know, mm-hmm. white swipe. Get mm-hmm. it, get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. She creates a dating app and um, she is, uh, you know, she's worked her way up. She was in a terrible, worked for a terrible tech company with a terrible tech company boss. There's some reality in mm-hmm. here. Um, starts her own company. And then um, her whole goal is to buy this other company, which is sort of, it's sort of like the a match.com, you know, mm-hmm. stand in for match.com. So it's an older version where people have to fill out like huge forms and stuff like that. And, you know, she's like, I think there's room for both of those in this world. And I want to sort of integrate that. And and like, I want to buy that company. And um, when she goes to to buy this company, she runs Mm. into a guy that she had a um, a very nice evening with um, a while back. And they just sort of left each other um so does he um, own the other company he is the nephew of the woman who owns the other company and he's a former um nfl player and he's doing some i know cool he's doing some some work for her and this has all kinds of like it talks about um you know there's stuff about like how terrible like the men in the tech industry are. There's again great consent in here. There's a lot of stuff about um, uh, head trauma and um, from the NFL. Yeah, like yeah, right. he's That's he's uh, his both his dad and his um, uncle were NFL players, and they both um, suffered from severe personality changes and issues mm. from head trauma. So this um, is a dense room. It's an issue. Girl, I, I mean, no, I know, I know, but this is like a specifically one. It is very specific. Romances today. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they have good stuff. So, um, and but the characters are just good. It's really funny. There's lots of fun texting. In is it there. spicy? Not as spicy as I had hoped. Okay, but. <laughs> Okay. But, but that's what I was wondering. Um, so you know, people. So it would be one that you could recommend. That's not yeah, people who want a little less spice. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I might you know. There's could this, get real spicy in the I last this 30 last pages. bit here yeah. that could get some spice. But um, I love Alicia Rye. I love her. She's she's the one who did the. Um, uh, I think Hate to Want You is the first one, mm. and that's a great series um, that I maybe have recommended here on before. But this is this is our new series. Cool. That sounds great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Own voices. Hashtag own voices. Hashtag. Um, well, mine's also hashtag own voices. Uh, and actually, Polly's reading this right now, and so I stole it uh, to pitch. Um, you didn't have to tell people that. I know, but I'm a very honest person. I'm like a crow. So, uh, so okay, so it's the I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter um, by Erica Sanchez. And I listened to the book um, – a little over a year ago or so, uh, it's YA, and um, and the audiobook was just amazing. And it's one of those, sadly, it's one of those books where I'm like, I love this book. I loved the voice and the characters, and I don't remember a whole lot of plot points. So I, I was just, yeah. So um, Julia is the main character, uh, and she's kind of like the black sheep of the family, sort of like the rebel, like wants to be a writer, not mm-hmm. a quote-unquote practical career. Yeah. Um, and her sister, Olga, um, was was the perfect Mexican daughter, um, and she uh, passed her, yeah. She passed away. The book opens with her funeral. Yeah. I yeah. Think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the younger sister is kind of coming to terms with her older sister's death, and she didn't really know her, and she thought she was super perfect, um, and then sort of starts to learn some less than perfect things about her sister and kind of relates to her even after she's passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just really wonderful female friendship in it. Um, and what else? 
No, I think I think you got it right. I think you know there's a a, I think a a nice they live in Chicago. Um, There's a nice examination of you know maybe some cultural mores um, that maybe you knew or maybe you didn't know. So it's it's kind of interesting to me because she's definitely I'm not quite through it, and I'm very interested to see how she'll reconcile because she's definitely like I hate all of these things about. It's, you know, there's kind of a lot of things that she hates about what is expected of, mm-hmm. of a perfect Mexican daughter. And I'm wondering how she'll reconcile that. Um, she's having to get to know her parents a little more because she's the only kid left. And there's so many things about her parents that bother her. You know, she's 15. So <laughs> there's a lot of things about parents that bother 15-year-olds. But in this particular case, a lot of it has to do with some cultural expectations, too. So I'm interested to see how that plays out at the end. Yeah. Um, on the author bio in the back, um, so it talks about how she's a poet and a feminist and uh, Erica Sanchez. And since she was 12 years old, since she was a 12-year-old nerd in giant bifocals and embroidered vests, we could have been friends, uh, Erica has dreamed of writing complex, empowering stories about girls of color, what she wanted to read as a young adult. And so that leads us perfectly into... We need diverse books, and specifically Kansas needing diverse books. Yeah. Um, Okay, so yeah, so Dan wrote this blog post um, a month ago, exactly. Apparently, it was good timing, Uh, and uh, he was talking about how um, he's been looking at uh, the children's biography section, which is really robust, um, and I would highly recommend taking a look at it. Um, And actually. Take it away, Dan. What inspired you to? (laughs) Okay, yeah. Well, uh, one thing I do just all the time, I guess, is uh, whatever I happen to be watching or hearing about or just whatever, I have kind of compulsively checked to see if we have things in the children's section about that thing. So it's like I figure if I'm hearing about like the Women's World Cup, Mm -hmm. then every other parent in town or whoever is hearing about it and or kids and want to see if we have those things in the children's section. So I check and see what we have. And if we don't have things, then I try to get them. And one thing that I was watching was this amazing documentary that they had on PBS, American Experience, called Chasing the Moon, that it was for the uh, Apollo 11 anniversary. And um, we have it here on DVD, by the way. So um Check it out if you didn't if you missed it when it was airing because it's really good. And um, the first it's six hours. They're, they're like three two hour episodes, and the first two hours was all about the um, the early days, but when they were first training the Apollo astronauts. And there was a man on there named Ed Dwight who was trained to be um, the first black astronaut. Um, it, it was. Like in the JFK era, when uh, we were first deciding to put our resources toward going to the moon, and um, they pushed to have him be part of it. And so he basically integrated the um, astronaut training program and put up with a lot mm-hmm. of stick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, made it through only to be pretty much like just dumped. At that point. So he wasn't one of the original astronauts and he, it was kind of this great, like what could have been moment. Mm -hmm. Like we could have been the first 
to put a person of color into space. Yeah. And in reality, it, what, how it turned out was the Russians were. So, mm. um, so that was a really kind of a, somebody that I had never heard of. Right. And then, so I was looking around like, what, whatever happened to that guy? Like, what do you do after that? And, um, it turns out he's from Kansas. And I, that was right, like yeah. just a complete, he, he's from, uh, Kansas city, Kansas. And I had never heard of him. No. Yeah. And it, so I was like, where's the book on Ed Dwight? Because what he did do afterward was he became, um, he did a few different things. He worked at IBM and also opened up a chain of restaurants. But what he's really known for now is like he's one of the foremost uh, sculptures, sculptors of historic That's monuments. Yeah. And so he went to get his MFA Jeez. and has his own company. And um, just his life took a different turn. Uh, and I was just like, we need to get a book about him for our biography like a section. Renaissance man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Completely. And, um, but there isn't one out there. So you can't, there's not a children's Ooh, book about Ed Dwight. Someone's going to write it right now. Yeah. I see. Someone needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says he's still, he's still working. He's still working. Yeah, he's 85. <laughs> he's got this great website. You should check it out. Oh, that's awesome. And he was interviewed for this uh, documentary. So I, I think one thing that I love about the story, besides the fact that it's a, it's a Kansas hero, mm-hmm. really, is that it's, it's like a civil rights story that is more complicated than uh, what has been written really mm-hmm. up until recently. Um, I think we get a lot, like when I was growing up, the types of children's books that we read about the civil rights movement were kind of the ones with a happy ending, like mm-hmm. Martin Luther King showed up. Written and, as like a feel-good sort right, of. Right, yeah, yeah, the Little Rock Nine, mm-hmm. they stuck it out, and there's kind of ended up all tidy mm-hmm. in a bow. Yeah. And that's not really the reality of it. So this is a story where it shows the more complicated side. Like there, he does have a, there's a resolution that is great, but it's not, he never did get to be the first black astronaut. So right. I think it has a more, a flavor that is more reflective of reality, I think, in terms of this story. Yeah. Do you think that, um, like, do you think that kids' books now are more open to exploring kind of the more complicated ending and not necessarily like a wrap-up, feel-good, happily ever after sort of thing? I think so, yeah. And I think that's part of the part of what is changing in response to like the movement of mm-hmm. like we need diverse books and just the past couple of years, there are a lot more stories like this that are being told. And um, these are the types of stories that need to be told. So um well, and there's probably a thought that, like, kids couldn't handle something that was that complicated or yeah. ha- something that didn't end happily. And I think that— Well, Americans well, no, right. love yeah. a happy ending. Yeah. We have a really hard time not giving a happy ending to yeah. things in our culture. So Because it admits that we have to keep working on things. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think kids see that. And right. it's great that it's finally— being put out into literature and like kids are kind of grabbing onto that and and learning from it and and working from from that yeah. point of view. Ugh, what a good opportunity! I'm gonna see who mm-hmm. know who can yep. do that. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I might. Someone's I might, assignment. I might contact somebody and see if they know someone who might need to need to write this while well, he's still alive. I think right. people need mm-hmm. to. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. 
Mm. Um, okay, and so some then there were some other people. So yeah, so then I started thinking, like, who are the other? You know, like if Ed Dwight's out there, there's no book about him. Like, there's a lot actually. Like I was just thinking back past the, over the past year, and I realized I had come across a couple of others that like they're they're great. Kansans of color mm-hmm. that there are no books about for us to have in the library for anybody to have because so, they don't exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so another one is Oscar Michaud, who is pretty much like the founder of black cinema. Like I kept running into his name um, after Kevin Wilmot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Kevin Wilmot, of course, is a great, you know, one of the great yeah. black filmmakers of all time. And like, uh, when that movie came out uh, and just all the Oscar, you know, the the discussion of the Oscars and how mm-hmm. kind of like behind the times they are yes. in terms of diversity. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Michaud's name always came up in those articles. And then he's it turns out he's from Great Bend and is actually buried there. So here's a great Kansan that there's and there's also there's not a children's biography you can buy about Oscar Michaud. Right. So. Mm-hmm. And so it says he founded the first black movie studio. Yeah, and he he created more than forty films. He had a bestseller book at the like this is during the twenties and thirties. Wow. So, okay. well, and yeah, that's that's wild. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I had never no, I had never. There's a lot of people I have not ever heard of, which is sad. Well, I think that's mm-hmm. the 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 whole point though is like mm-hmm. like no one's around yeah. here is like. You know, maybe and this is this guy's a household name in some places, mm-hmm. and he needs to be here. Right? right. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But it's I I didn't know anything about him either. So, um, well, and I know so Lucille Bluford was on your list, and mm-hmm. uh, I had only heard of her because there is a Lucille Bluford branch of the Kansas City Public Library, right. and I saw some librarians from there speaking on. Um, on street literature and like the power of um, just even if books are taken from a library that they're still passed on to people and the mm-hmm. community aspect of reading. And so I like that was the only time I'd ever really heard of her was just from being named for that branch. And so I didn't know she was um, I, did, I didn't really actually know anything right. about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a great story. Uh, I used to work at Kansas City, Missouri Public Library in the in the downtown branch in the local history department, Missouri Valley Room. Uh, so it, I first encountered her there because the, um, the Kansas City Call is the newspaper mm-hmm. that she was the editor of for, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 years, um, which was one of the great black newspapers in the country. There's like the Chicago Defender, mm-hmm. Kansas City Call. Like it was, it was basically like for a while, like the New York Times mm. of black papers. Yeah, right. and we still have the call we do. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and it just celebrated its hundredth year anniversary. So, um, but yeah, Lucille Bluford, she attended KU. She graduated in 1932. Um, and then here's a great story that lets us kind of bash Missouri a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so uh, she she then apl- she applied to the journalism school at the University of Missouri and was accepted. And then when she showed up to attend, they realized she was black mm-hmm. and they kicked her out. Oh my lord! Yeah, so she she took him to court Missouri. and won the case, and they shut down their 
entire J school, Good. like in part, they think to prevent her <gasps> even. Oh my gosh. Because they were facing the fact that they would have to admit her. Part of it was they like. shut the, down a whole entire school. It was during World War II, so they said uh -huh. they didn't have enough applicants and mm -hmm. there were uh, mitigating factors, but mm -hmm. I think that was one of them. That's so, and, that's oh so dirty. I know. <laughs> and just the lengths that you'll go to, the people will go to just to like, to, to not admit their own racism and prejudice. Now they have a dorm named after her. And of they, course they do. They gave her an honorary doctorate. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, she's just a great. She, you know, she's she's associated with Kansas City, Missouri, maybe more than Kansas, but still, like we uh, celebrate William Allen White mm -hmm. here across the state. I mean, he's maybe one of like five Kansans. Like every kid who grows up here knows by the time they're out of grade school, which is good. He he was a legend and. Uh, and great in his own right, but this is she's kind of like the black William Allen White, right? If right. you think of it, attended KU mm -hmm. from this area, so we need to have a book about her. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and black women, one women of color specifically, are overlooked mm -hmm. constantly, and so yeah, definitely. Ugh. Well, and what I like about your post um, and just talking about this in general is that. Kind of like with the um, the Ed Dwight story, it's you weren't writing like a feel good post where it's like, and now we've got all these books. It's more like, hey, we still don't have them. We mm. need to keep working, which I really appreciated. So it was very meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. So what were some some books that you did? F now I'm gonna flip it. Now I'm gonna do the feel good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or we could just all end right. on a sad note. No. Um, what were some, if you were going to do some recommendations of books that are currently in print, um, what are some things you've been reading or some things you've heard about or ordered recently? Well, yeah, there's, there are some great, like there's a, the, another person on this list is Charles Curtis, um, who like before Obama, he was the only person of color who had ever been elected on a presidential or vice presidential ticket. Mm -hmm. he, he was, uh, Herbert Hoover's vice president. He's a, he was a member of the Caw Nation, grew up in Topeka area. Um, but now, like up until earlier this year, there wasn't anything available on him. Mm -hmm. And now somebody has, a um, um, historian named Kitty Frank, has she found a manuscript of his in the um, state archives. And mm -hmm. there, there was part of it about his childhood. Um, so she um, edited that and kind of kind of abridged it and published it. So we have that now. Nice. So cool. that's cool. a that's a great stride. Although I think we still need to have a like a comprehensive biography exactly. of yeah, him. Yeah. But there are some others. Uh there's a at the end of the piece here I list a few. There's a book called Game Changer, uh, which is about John McClendon, who was um a black basketball coach who was trained by James Naismith. Hmm. He's from Kansas. And um, he was part of the first, um, he coached a team um, in North Carolina at a black college in North Carolina that played the first game against a white basketball team. Really? And it was in 1944. And like the, the book describes this game where like the white team was Duke. Um, it was like the Duke Medical School team, I believe. Yeah, Duke, <laughs> right. So they had to actually smuggle the Duke players into this gym 
go and take them through the women's locker room and make them wear like coats over their heads really? because it was such a illegal, I think, yeah. to, for a black team to play a white team. So they had to like sneak the white team into the black oh gym. God. Yeah, it's insane. So this book is all about that and just about how that was like the first, you know, integrated basketball mm-hmm. game between two college teams. And you and think as Kansans we would Right. We, we should know. know. About, yeah, we were we should know that. basketball proud. Yeah. This guy, John Coy, is he, the guy who wrote the book. He, like he's he's spreading the word about this. Mm-hmm. I think he's... Is he from here? He, I think he lives in Minnesota, but okay. I th- he, I, he seems to be around quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I think cool. he goes around speaking about this book. And um, There's also a, a new book called No Small Potatoes. Um, it's a Junius G. Groves and His Kingdom in Kansas. And um, Junius Groves was um, an exoduster, which is what they called the uh, slaves that were, after they were freed, who came to the Midwest uh-huh, uh-huh. to homestead mm-hmm. and farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a, this wildly successful potato plantation kind yeah. of near Edwardsville. And he even started like a little small community uh, I think that's named after him really? right oh. around there. So, yeah, there's a great book on him that just came out last year. Um, there's another book about Gordon Parks by Carol Boston Weatherford. That's really good. It's just a straight biography of Gordon Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Fort Scott, just a great photographer and artist, the civil rights era. Um, so that's some good – those are good – uh, developments and yeah. publishing about Kansans that yeah. like needed to have their stories told, and mm-hmm. now they're there. Like I'd never heard of Junius Groves or John McClendon before these books came out. So mm-hmm. no, I uh, I think that's really wonderful. Um, and you often hear like that there's like a, a lack of new stories, or like what else is there to I don't know maybe. What else is there to write about? And there's just so much rich history that's not being told. Um, and I mean, like, if there are just these few people in Kansas, like, there, you know, that's there are just billions of people. Yeah, are, yeah, we're not being that's talked so about. So true. Yeah, and every state probably has mm-hmm. a long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we we could maybe not write a story with a unicorn or a pig in it <laughs> yeah. for a little while. Yeah. And I mean, no, no shade to those beautiful creatures, Mm -hmm. but like maybe we could throw some publishing dollars towards these stories. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of pigs. Just a thought. (laughs) Just thinking. I love pigs like the next person does. But But, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, or so many biographies of white, like historic white figures. Just Mm. um, just a thought. Yeah. There's just, just, there's a lot, there's a lot more that can be done. Mm-hmm. So we just need to, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely I'm gonna send this to somebody. I'm gonna send it to someone Some, and see yes. if we can't get. Some. Well, I was gonna say yeah. If anybody, if you know any writers, um, writers of color, writers of children's books who are looking um, for just like a a, a mm-hmm. huge some inspiration impact project, mm-hmm. yeah, these would be these would be good ones. These would be wonderful. We'll be waiting to order them. <laughs> yes, yeah, just email us immediately, and we'll just we yeah, are going to buy them. Pass it on to Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so are you a? So then, are you? I guess we were going to ask because I don't know this. Are you a capital L librarian or a lowercase? I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I am. A, I am a graduate of 
uh, Emporia State okay. Library, Ooh. School of Library Science, nice. of Library and Information <clears throat> Management. Mm-hmm. Nice. What was your first library job? Uh, well, I had a, I went to KU and I got a, um, degree in English and then the day without any plan at all, Mm. like what I was going to do after I graduated. And so I moved straight back into my parents' house and, uh, got really depressed. (laughs) And then, so I wrote, I thought maybe I should be like an editor of like a magazine or mm-hmm. like so I applied for these in Kansas City there's all these like trade journals that it seems so boring <laughs> but I applied for these jobs and then nobody I maybe had a few interviews or whatever and then I saw it I'd help wanted ad in the paper that was for the, the Olathe Public Library oh, really? so it was like the one cover letter that where like I just like spoke from the heart and was like yes. this actually sounds interesting yes. and it's like I just <laughs> threw away my like form letter that I yeah. was sending um, and they uh, interviewed me, and like so, I got that job. It was like a, I was like, oh my god, this is great. Yeah, I need to, I need to do this. So I worked in the yeah. reference department, and then I was there for about four years. And I went to library school. Did you go while you were still working? Yeah, I okay. did. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's nice. That's the nice thing about Emporia is that you can do that. I was mm-hmm. able. That's how I was able to go to library school. But I was a weird. I'm one of the weird. People that didn't work at, I did not work a day in a library before, before I got my. You're just like, I know I'm going to do this <laughs> in libraries. So I'm making this happen. I did not. Um, I mean, they were, it was kind of funny because I felt like they were kind of going to some great pains to like make me feel okay about that. Cause so I what was, did you, what were you doing before? I did nonprofit programming and administration. Mm-hmm. So I got my like psychology and sociology, my undergrad, and then I got a, a master's degree in sociology. Mm-hmm. So you can do a lot of nonprofit work with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I did, I worked at a number of nonprofit places. So, I mean, it's, I brought that experience with me and I mean, I think that's sort of, that's the weird thing is that I, I didn't start in the trenches. Like I, I came in with a lot of like administration and mm-hmm. supervision experience and and programming experience. So my first library job was like I was a marketing and um, programming librarian, and kind of. And then I like yeah. Then I came here and I was the mm-hmm. events librarian before I did. You this. you were one of those people in library school who always were like so excited and. Like optimistic and like, this is going to be great when I finally work in a library. <laughs> yes. like, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm already kind of tired. <laughs> no, I totally was. Um, yeah, good. no, I was just like, I can't they wait to get in like there you. to yeah. the books. And yeah. then I didn't do anything with the books for a long time because I was got sort of administration. You work your way up to the books. <laughs> I, I had to like, yeah, I had to work hard to, to get out there and shelve those books. But yeah. Well, I remember when I saw the reader services position here, it was the same feeling. Like I was like, oh, writing this cover, this is what it's supposed to feel like Mm -hmm. to like pitch yourself for a job that you're like, actually, I really do feel like this is, you know, something I'd be amazing at and something Mm -hmm. I would really enjoy. So that's such a good feeling. Mm -hmm. And libraries are just very unexpected way of finding those places. I wish I would have known. Like I do wish I would have known that. I think it's just so many people don't understand that librarianship is 
like a career and that you, you know, uh, if you would like to do something um, more high level in libraries that that you it requires a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And like it's just something that you don't get told. I mean, I didn't even actually know that much about grad school anyway. I'm the first person in my family to go to college like Mm -hmm. that. I was I had a professor take me under her wings and was like you're going to be a professor. I'm sending you to grad school. Like I entered the PhD program right out of undergrad. Yeah. Right. I was, and then I, and then I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. I'm 21. Yeah, I don't no have anything should, to mm. say to well, anyone about anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything. I mean, I thought I knew a lot right. when yeah. I was 18, but of then course. when I was 21, I was like, I know nothing. Yeah. Bye. Good. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I just ended up getting a terminal master's degree and then... Just but, a little... Yeah. Just an old master. I just a, took the terminal. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I mean, I wish I would have known because that mm-hmm. would have been. Yeah. And in, even in library school, I think, I mean, that, but even in library school, when you already have a master's degree, they kind of talk to you about going into academic librarianship because mm-hmm. that you need that. Um, and I really did think about it. <clears throat> I thought about going into academic librarianship, but I'd mm-hmm. spent so many years doing this nonprofit. Is it is so much more yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. I just, my heart was it's louder. In, my heart was a nonprofit. It is louder. And it is louder. It's dirtier, louder, more <coughs> of a mess, messier. Yes. It's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is ordering children's materials and researching those, is that kind of a dream? Like, is that a... It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, it's nice. Um, I do so I do miss... Because I, I work downstairs now, so uh, people say... I say, tell them I work at the library. They're like, oh, yeah, we never see you. Are you, are you <laughs> lying keep, or what? I know. We're like, we keep them in the basement. <laughs> He's not allowed to talk to people. So I, I do miss working on the front lines. But you should come up to the welcome not desk every day. all the time. I don't miss yeah. it every day. <laughs> a nice mix would be good. Yeah. 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 And, I, I still get up to children's every now and then yeah. and work on the desk. But And you've got... you have. Two kids, right? I do. What yeah. age are they? They look uh, just like you. A first grader and a third grader. <laughs> first grader and uh, third grader. Yes, they are your they are. little tiny doppelgangers. Do they like to read? They do. Yeah. They are love they, to read. Do they need to like to read? Like yeah, if they well, didn't. They do. <laughs> I, mean, I think they really do on their own, mm-hmm. like to. And like we read to them at bedtime. But like lately, my son especially, he'll be like, he'll just like be reading on his own sometimes mm-hmm. uh, when we can pry like, the screen yes. away yeah. from him. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it is good. He's really into like the wimpy kid and the big name. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, well, those are great, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to, it is. Uh-huh. I mean, like our whole ethos in reader services is that there's no such thing as a bad book. And, you know, you, the right book it's the right book for you if it's the right book for yeah, you, and it's totally the right time you. for you. Yeah, so it's that's a really agree. that's super difficult. But, but then when you also know how many other yes. good things are out there that you really it's like, wish if you're to. just eating American cheese and you're like, mm-hmm. here's a little brie, yeah. Here's yeah, a little gouda. You might super love American cheese, yeah, and American you should cheese is fine. you should eat it <laughs> absolutely. But you should try blue it's cheese every blue so cheese. often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it'll knock your socks off. Yeah, it just like when I see him on the swing. Reading a book all by himself, it's like, oh, I don't care what it is. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's just so <laughs> like, wonderful. That would be such a wonderful yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's tough. That's. A, I mean, I think, what do you What do you think is the hardest thing, like, to convince? I mean, do you have that conversation with other parents who are just like, my kid's reading, they just want to read graphic novels or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, do you do you ever Which sort of valid. try? Yeah. I mean, do you ever sort of try to intercede and, and give them the 
the more broad approach of like, that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, al- that's yeah, a, I always say that. That's a fine I mean, thing I, to read. Because, yeah, it is just like, at least they're reading. Mm-hmm. I mean, they that's... could be doing heroin. I mean, I... Yeah. you know, like, <laughs> no, I, a lot they of six probably works. couldn't. No, <laughs> that doesn't happen until I'm middle just school. Saying, graphic novels are not the worst thing. Um, yeah. Exactly. I mean, well, can yeah. you think of like how, I mean, I feel like my kids are geniuses because they read so much Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You learn so much. Geni? Um, Yeah, they read a lot. I didn't read as much Calvin. (laughs) They would know the answer to that. But yeah, they just, I mean, like the, just, they're so, it's so nuanced and smart and you learn so much like vocabulary and you're taking in all of this, you know, philosophy and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. You don't know that you're taking in. Um, And then later in life, it's like, bling. I think you know, my life is lacking because I didn't read Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, honey. I know. Well, I feel that I mean, way, I, too. I was way I was more like, of a far side guy. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of yeah. missed Calvin. I just didn't look at it. And now I feel like I... You should wheel it I out. I my formative too. years. Yeah. It just was not... Have your, do your there. kids read it? Wheel it out for them. I should. Just, That's a, we have a lot in children's. Some, yeah. Yep. There's that whole, There's like, giant... extremely popular. Three-piece yeah. bound edition thing that's really gorgeous yeah. so that mm-hmm. many adults that I know have that on there. Yeah. Yeah. Their mantelpiece. Like <laughs> yeah. I might. I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. I think you might. I think I might have found it at one point. Mm-hmm. I'll borrow it. Okay. It just won't be the same because I'm not a child. It makes you feel like a child. Okay, good. good. It'll bring some things back for you. Okay. <laughs> don't worry uh, Good. All right. Well, um, so aside from reading, what what have you been up to? I heard there's a... Fun ah, project that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm actually making a giant uh, paper mache alarm clock pinata. As you do. <laughs> yeah, just, you know. For fun? When you're bored, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm actually making it for the library. For there, um, We're having a, a keep retirement weird, um, I don't know what you call that. Like fest. An event. A, yeah, a fest. Yeah. 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 And, so it's going to be part. It's they're using doing it to like kick off their like retirement boot camp. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they wanted a giant alarm clock pinata for people, people who are retiring to just, just sort of pulverize, nice. and <laughs> yeah. take out all their and so it is not a time. phone screen with the alarm clock app. It is a it's a clock. Yeah, cool. it's a we big figured red the, yeah. with white. Bells. What's it, yeah. And I, what I really wanted to do was have it have arms and legs and like sure. a, maybe like a, a face like the cloud guy <laughs> yeah. from Trolls. But uh, they told me that was a little too weird. <laughs> so like, so okay. I was yeah. like, I was trying to keep retirement weird. <laughs> no, that is kind of weird. the title. Keep yeah. retirement less uh, weird, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I heard that was going to be there, I was like, oh, I want to smash it too. Mm, but you that's can't. A, no. You're still I'm still attached to the alarm clock. Still touching yeah. that face that the screen. Snooze button. Still touching the snooze button. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. So I know you've made a lot of paper mache things. And you've made a number for the library. Mm-hmm. So what else what else have you made for us? Uh well let's see. I made a like a Death Star mm-hmm. thing sure. for yeah. the Star Wars. No big deal. Day. And uh what else? There's like a little J Lo. The alien J-Lo from... Oh, not Jennifer Lopez. Uh, no, like, yeah. What? It's like, what's that? Uh, Smek Day, the true uh, name oh, of Smek yeah, Day. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Um, I made a cake. I made some penguins? Yeah, I made some penguins, made some penguins for penguins? the um, for the mini golf. Did you do the dragon? 
Yeah, we did okay. a dragon. Yeah, that giant. So, yeah, one. A giant. It was with the, it was like a program for teens mm-hmm. a couple summers ago. We made a big dragon. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got into paper mache, but uh, I was not your go to guy. Just about to it's, ask. Yeah. I think I did not take that class in library school. <laughs> I don't remember. You must have taken that one that I didn't. It take. all. It's paper, people. Everyone has a paper mache story. I think you guys probably do. If you've I, uh, I, I think I've only put down. them on balloons. That's, that's yeah, a, I guess that's my story. Yeah, it's a very boring story. I must have done that one time. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is like um, when I was in school we, when we were studying Greece. I made we made death masks, oh. wow. like face masks, and um, oh. and then we mean. put uh, and it or it wasn't made a death mask. It was like a healing mask, and we mm. and then we because I remember we had to put like medicines on it or something. We were studying huh. like, med, how Greek medicine was in ancient Greece, and, yeah. and we had these masks. But that was where you it wasn't paper mache. It felt like it on your face, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you had to just lay Plaster there. And then we had like oh, yeah. straws up mm-hmm. our noses wow. so that we could breathe. That sounds terrifying. I might still have it? I think I might have some residual. I don't still have it. I wish I did. And then I did do I did do a belly mask. Okay, I was, I was pregnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have that. Well, I don't know what to do with it, but well, there it is. Just give it to whatever <laughs> child and say this is your birthright. Uh, what's yeah. the structure? What's the like structural parts in like the dragon or the alarm clock or yeah. how do you how well, do you do that? There's cardboard underneath the alarm clock. Okay. Because it's like a kind of a big box cuz they're mm-hmm. going to put uh, coupons and yeah, candy yeah, yeah. in there and stuff. Yeah. Um uh, but the dragon was just kind of like wrinkled up newspaper and duct tape and plastic bags and just whatever kid there's like Why a dowel rod or two in there. But like so you didn't make like a um like a frame out of metal I and didn't, then yeah. What? I really? Know. I'm, I'm I'm not very good with no. That's things amazing. That have to be measured. No, <laughs> no, no, me neither. And this gives me hope because I say measure never cut a thousand times. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's my uh, personal style. motto. Yes, but wow, that's amazing that's though because good, they, they are so structurally sound and large. And so I just assumed that there was some sort of like chicken wire thing all up in there. There's a lot of duct tape. Sweet. Yeah. Oh my God. I could go into this. Paper mache is a very forgiving. I would like to apprentice medium. with mm-hmm. you. And it's impossible <laughs> to take yourself seriously when you're doing it. You're like, it doesn't, yeah. it can't be. Yeah. Are you passing this on? Like, are your kids, are your kids learning the fine art? Yeah. They, I don't know. I They're, think I would like, if you do a workshop, I'll, all right. I'll take it. We should do one for grownups. Yes. Oh, I see something. Keep paper mache weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. That could be dangerous. Yeah, it, it could be. Good. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And then so, how, okay, I've got so many questions about paper mache now. Um, <laughs> what kind of paint do you use? I use acrylic paint and mm-hmm. spray spray paint. Spray paint? And okay, then, I was wondering. Like, acrylic paint just mm-hmm. for like like detail stuff. Yeah. Nice. Painting's not my strong suit. Do you uh, have is your do you have like a garage filled with past paper mache? I, well, I have a basement where most of it goes. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I do it in the basement. Mm-hmm. I, like I do it like before. It's it's kind of a strange, mm-hmm. like before everybody wakes up in the morning, it's I go down there time. and do it. Yeah, and it's like I'm not totally awake all the time. So <laughs> nice. sometimes it'll like it'll be done, and I'll be like, I kind of forgot doing most of this, but there it is. It's, it's, just like dream. A it's sort of a dream life. You just like, yeah. Making art in a fugue state. <laughs> That's beautiful. I like it. I had no idea. I like that. What was your very first paper mache thing you made? Uh, I think 
I'm sure I did it like with my mom when I was a little kid, like, but the thing that I did that sort of got me back into it was a Halloween costume, Mm. which Mm. I think is the genesis of many paper mache Mm -hmm. projects and stories. Mm. And so my wife and I were uh, Ward and June Cleaver one year for (laughs) Halloween. So we needed like a beaver. Uh, So we like carried a a beaver around. And it was like, wow, this is pretty fun. Yeah. And like, I I grew up in a, my, like my sister was a great, like she was an art teacher. Like she mm-hmm. was the artist of the family. And my uncle was like an art professor at KU. So there's like an art oh, okay. gene, but yeah. it did not, like it, it was a, <laughs> a known factor that I gene. did not get the art gene. It's Well, you must have but a latent one. I think that so. Just sort yeah. of like, and, they, and then the environment is sort of turning it on for yes. you. I think that's it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You have an early morning paper mache. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't <laughs> I don't like to do anything in the early morning. I've been working out in the early morning and that's Ugh, not that terrible. Mm-mm. I think I could do that better than paper mache though. Yeah. I started doing that in the morning because my kids would come in and like <laughs> mm-hmm. it'd be like, this is the only way I can and avoid help. getting woken yes, up at like help. Yeah. five forty five yeah. by uh-huh. my kids coming mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. then it's oh, like, yeah. all right, well I'll just like Outsmart them. I'll and beat like, them. Yeah, I'm not game. Not yeah. Be that there doesn't when they seem like. The what time do you wake up? Seems like you're already yeah. up, though. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> But then you get, I mean, you if know, the point is to avoid being woken up, yeah. Well, that, yeah, by kids. Okay, okay, so okay. I, like then. Because you don't I want like myself. a hand in the face <laughs> right. or whatever. Or get however they do it. Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds terrifying. Oh no, thank you. Okay. It's like waking up on your own terms. Oh yeah. Take command of your wake up time. <laughs> I see. Yeah. I see so, that. do you have an alarm clock? I do. Yeah. Okay. It, get, it goes off at five. But sometimes I get up later than that. Yeah. Sometimes earlier. Okay. Yeah. Good. I just I could be. I could be. No, I could be that to sort corner. of person because I already go to bed at nine thirty. But I just like to that's a, yeah. That's that'll that helps. I like to sleep till seven thirty though. When do just you like go to bed? About ten ten thirty. Woof, that's not a lot of time I need to, to sleep. go to bed. Yeah, you do. Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Midnight. How many hours of sleep do you need now? I need nine. Wow. Yes. I get six. Yeah, I get... <laughs> I, <laughs> I prefer 12. <laughs> so what I need and what I get are not yeah. necessarily the same thing. But I don't know why. I, I'm just a night person Mm-mm. and I can't seem to get myself to stop doing that. I used to be like that. I don't know what happened. I, I blame know. it on the kids. You switched. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, all my kids are also night people. So, I That's mean, good. it's bad for them now. The mornings are hard yeah. around your house probably. Oh, yeah. They're all, well, you know, they're all adults now. But, like, um, it. The only I have one who is a morning person. So, your paper mache time could have just been like 11 o'clock or whatever. That was my. Um, Wine time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, have a, I have this memory, like, for, like, when my kids were little, I don't remember what happened, but I just watched, like, all of Sex in the City. And I remember laying there every night going, go to bed, go to bed, <laughs> go to bed. But and then... Miranda. So you could watch. Right. And, and then my yeah. brain was like, but I deserve some me time. And then <laughs> my brain was like, but you're going to be sorry tomorrow. That's a lot And I always was. Yes. But did I go to bed? Mm-hmm. No. No. You showed you. I showed <laughs> I certainly did. 
I'm the boss of me. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining thanks us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been fun. And uh, we will, I'll link to your blog post and um, relink to some of the books that you recommended. Um, and yes, please join us anytime. Awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to. to have you back to talk about these books when they're written. Yes. Right on. Exactly. going to happen. Yes. Sounds yeah. great. Happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website, lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Jim Barnes, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.